0: Hi, I'm Grant Wall, and welcome to the Planet Football Podcast, where I go in-depth with the most intriguing people in the world of soccer. Just a quick reminder, it's a huge help if you subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. This week is a little different, because I'm the interview guest. I hope you indulge me this once, because this week marks the release of my first book in nine years. It's called Masters of Modern Soccer. My good friend and colleague Luis Miguel Echegaray took the time to interview me about it, and we're going to give away five signed hardcover copies of the book. Just tweet the hashtag ModernSoccer by Friday, May 4th at 5 p.m. Eastern, and we'll draw the five winners out of the group and send you your copy. Onward! Well, I really want to thank my good friend, Luis Miguel Echegaray, my co-host for the Planet Football TV show on SITV for uh, coming in and filling my role, typically in this podcast of, of doing the interview. And uh, it's, uh, it's been a lot of fun to interview you for this podcast. I would encourage listeners to, to go back a couple of months and, and listen to my interview of Luis. And let's turn the tables, my friend.
1: Well, I'm very excited about this because I I just finished the book um, and I I got I mean, I know that I tweeted about it, but I got to tell your audience and all the listeners, you guys have to buy this not just as a lover of the game, but if you want to be educated in terms how the mind of a player or coach thinks. So so well done, my friend. Well done. Thank you. I, I appreciate you reading the book.
0: Uh, I'm glad you like it. Uh, I learned a lot doing it. Um, and I've been looking forward to this interview.
1: So my first question is this, I, when we, you know, you and I have had many conversations about the beautiful game and, uh, the history of it all and how the evolution of the game has, you know, you know, reached to this point. My, my question is this, the, the word that always comes back to me is modern, mm-hmm. like the modern game. Why is that, first of all, in your title, and why is it so important that, you know, it's emphasized?
0: You know, the original plan when I started this book was not to include the, the modern aspect so prominently. And it kind of came organically. You know The original idea for the book was to take the idea that George Will used in his classic baseball book, Men at Work, The Craft of Baseball, where he took the sport of baseball, divided it into four functions, uh, batter, pitcher, fielder, manager, picked one person to represent each who was really good at what they did and really smart at explaining how they did their job and apply that to soccer. Now, I have seven figures in my book, not four. Five of them are players, goalkeeper, defender, defensive midfielder, attacking midfielder, forward, manager, and director of football. Um, and so I picked one person to represent each. Uh, Manuel Neuer is the goalkeeper. Vincent Kompany is the defender. Xavi Alonso is the defensive midfielder. Christian Pulisic is the attacking midfielder. Chicharita Hernandez is the forward. Roberto Martinez is the manager. And Michael Zork from Borussia Dortmund is the director of football. Spent a couple of years with each of those guys, but early on in those interviews, and I remember very clearly my first interview with Vincent Company in Manchester, where I just wanted to hear what he would say if I asked him, what do you think of when you hear the term modern football, modern soccer? And I wasn't sure what he would say, but what was really cool was he talked for a really long time, about all the different aspects that he sees representing the modern game. And it was such a fascinating answer. And he so clearly was engaged that I ended up asking all of the figures in this book that question at one point or another. And it became very clear that the game has changed. And in Company's opinion, as a defender, a center back, Modern football, he, he said, is, is about the game getting better and better all the time, about players in individual positions being asked to be good at several aspects of the game that maybe weren't stereotypically part of the requirements for that job. So in terms of a center back, it's not just about defending your man one-on-one and focusing entirely on that. You have to have a, a lot of other skills too, including attacking skills ball skills and then company launched into you know his history as a player developing at anderlecht and how they always played the ball on the ground and they never headed the ball and it was a real launching point just me asking this very basic simple question that got into so many fascinating aspects of the game and i started thinking about this more and more And there's a guy in Texas named Dave Wasser who has these wonderful video collections of old soccer matches. And Dave had once sent me the the video of the 1970 World Cup final between Brazil and Italy, which obviously took place before I was born. And watching that sport, that game, it was almost like it was a different sport. And, you know, it was amazing players, you know, like Pelé and Carlos Alberto and all those guys But there were a lot more attackers on the field at that time than there are today. And there was less defensive pressure, like constant defensive pressure all over the field like we see today in so many cases. And I was just really struck about how the game has changed. And, you know, the term the modern game to me is sort of in contrast to the beautiful game, which is sort of this cliche name that we have for soccer, almost like a a synonym. And I, I don't want people to take that as meaning that that the modern game is not the beautiful game or the opposite of the beautiful game or the modern game is not artful because it is. And a guy, I think the guys in this book represent that the way they play. But I also think there's a reason why the beautiful game originated in this, like the 70s around those Brazil teams and kind of died from a soccer, pure soccer perspective when the 1982 Brazil team failed to win the World Cup. And if you actually ask players today, what do you think of when you think of the term the beautiful game, they're sort of confused and they don't really know what to say. But if you ask them what do you think of when you think of the modern game, There's a lot that these thoughtful guys have to say, and so that became very clear during the interviews for this book, and became a dominant theme in the book.
1: Yeah, there's, um, there's that's really a great point about the contrast between the modern game and the beautiful game, and I think it serves to the advantage of the player nowadays because I think that uh, just like you say, and just and I I concur, company is. Uh, comes off as a as a professor uh, by the end of this uh, of this book, but one of the things that's really you know great to see is that I think that the modern game is 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 not just about you know understanding the opposition, but it's about understanding yourself mm-hmm. and and what you can do in order to be flexible. I mean, if you think about Mauricio Pochettino or Jurgen Klopp in contrast to a Guardiola or Pellegrini you know so you you see that when you read the book Um, the air of uh, Pep Guardiola by the way it like surrounds the book doesn't it really just because Xavi Alonso of course and and company uh, who's his current player you can see like the educate which of course Guardiola you know from uh, Cruyff as well so I I like that Uh, did you feel that when you were writing it?
0: (laughs) It's also something that I didn't predict when I first started this, but, you know, there are three players in this book, Manuel Neuer, Vincent Kompany, and Xabi Alonso, who have played or are currently playing under Pep Guardiola. And so even though Pep Guardiola is not an official character figure in this book, his presence sort of hangs over the book. And in a way, it's like these players, when they speak about Guardiola, are... are are reverential toward him. And all three of them, Neuer, Company, and Alonso are in their 30s. All three of them have won major trophies. Neuer and Alonso have won uh, the World Cup and Champions League. Vincent Company has won three Premier League titles. And you would think that going into their 30s that they would be pretty self-satisfied that there wasn't much more for them to learn educationally about the game. But what becomes very clear is how much they have learned under Guardiola that they have not had not learned under previous managers. And a guy like Xabi Alonso has played for some of the greatest managers of the last 20 years. Yeah. You know, Mourinho, Ancelotti, Luis Aragonese, um, Sete del Bosque, uh Rafa Benitez. And Alonso's very clear that he arranged his move to Bayern Munich to play under Guardiola because he wanted to play the last couple years of his career under Guardiola and set himself up to be a manager someday himself. And all of these guys go into detail about how Guardiola is fanatical about positioning on the field and taking great pains during training sessions to move a guy two yards to the left on the back line because in his opinion, doing that has a profound impact on how the whole team defends.
1: Yeah. And one of, go ahead. No, I was going to say that one of my favorite things that Guardiola has ever said was, um, you know, we're so obsessed with possession, but he once said, you know, actually, one of my biggest uh, obsessions is defending the counterattack and where players need to be when that happens. And that's what. Uh, you're talking about, you know, in terms of the obsession with uh, possession. I wanted to just quickly move to because somebody that really stood his ground against Xavi Alonso in the book was Christian Pulisic. Yeah. Um, somebody that we both and we're not alone in this, obviously, uh, you know, uh, respect him, the young American so much. He is a product of. Pennsylvania, but more importantly, a product of Borussia Dortmund's uh, fantastic academy. Um, and you talk to him, um, and he's describing about, uh, you know, his mechanisms and everything, specifically his first touch. Yeah. Um, and you know what's funny, as I'm reading, I'm gonna quickly read this quote when you talk to him, and he says, as you get older, it's about the movements in relation to the first touch. It's knowing which direction to take your first touch and not just receiving it. A lot of times it's not about stopping the ball under your foot and not having any options after that. It's putting yourself in a good position for what you want to do with it. And the best example that I saw was like three weeks ago, um, you know, in the Bundesliga when he created space out of nothing, um, you know, with his first touch in order to uh, provide the assist for the goal. You know, just a perfect example. Now, here's my question. When you're interviewing Politic and you're talking to him like this, and we've heard this before, it's almost like you're talking to a 36-year-old veteran, (laughs) right? It's it's not – it's almost – it's so strange to hear and listen. I don't want to get any American fans mad at me, but it, it feels like it's not an American talking about this. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And it's it, it's it's amazing and it's really refreshing to be honest.
0: Well, I think for anyone who reads this book or the the excerpt on the Polisic chapter that's on SI.com dot com and in the magazine this week, well, they'll be really impressed if you follow Christian Polisic. The last couple years about how deeply he thinks the game and how much insight he has about the game as a teenager, because I got to admit I was a little hesitant to include Polisic in a chapter with Shabi Alonso, a guy you know basically twice his age who's won everything, um, not knowing fully that Polisic would. Uh, be able to speak in the detail that he does about the game. Because if we're being honest, 98% of players aren't great at verbalizing all the nuances of what they're doing on the field. Uh, That's just the nature of, uh, of the situation. But Polisic is so freaking smart about the game. And it was such a pleasure to sit down with him in his apartment in Dortmund and really take the time to watch videos of him playing and ask him questions about what we were seeing on the screen, but also to, you know, away from the video, just let's have a talk about your first touch. And, you know, I do a lot of interviews in my job, but it's sort of amazing to me, at least it was as I was doing all these interviews for the book, that it's pretty rare to actually have a detailed conversation with the world's best players about what they're experts in, which is the soccer itself. You know, so often when we do interviews, it's like a post game situation where you're talking very specifically about what happened in the game or heavily generalized. Right. And you know, you're in a rush and, and guys oftentimes go on autopilot and just kind of spew cliches or you're sitting in a one-on-one interview for a magazine story where you're getting much more into the story of their lives away from the field, which has a, a real value, obviously. But what I wanted to do for this book was as much as I love talking to people about their life story, I wanted to focus this on the soccer and what these guys are experts in and try and draw out from them those insights. And so... If I'm sitting down with Christian Pulisic, let's talk for ten minutes about your first touch, about how you developed it, about what you're trying to do with it. About- and he
1: doesn't just talk about his first touch; he literally breaks it down so much that it becomes this beautiful thread of thinking. And it's it's absolutely astonishing to me how not not, and I'm not belittling him or anything. I'm even I'm even including everybody in this. Any soccer player, the amount of. Uh, Knowledge that he has and the amount of work that he puts mentally towards his craft. It, it's great
0: And little details that you're not expecting come up like the fact that Polisic says he wears his his boots his cleats a size smaller than his typical shoes because he wants to have a Really close connection between his foot and the ball. Yeah, I do that too by the way So I mean, that's uh, awesome. I mean and and so when you have the time to have these conversations things like this Come up. And so I think that's kind of throughout the book, uh, stuff that you're not used to seeing these guys talking about and saying, even though this is what they're an expert in. And I came away, I think people will come away very impressed with Polisic and what he's achieved to now, but also how smart he is about the game and his recognition of how much more he needs to improve to get to where he wants to go, that he's not a finished product. And he holds his
1: own in that chapter with Shabby Alonso. Yeah, he does. And, and I don't want to uh, stick too much with Polisic because I know there's other players and other things that I want to ask, but the, do you think that, uh, I mean, obviously he has the, the soccer brain, but a lot of it is credit to Dortmund's fantastic academy and how they approach the game, right?
0: I mean, they have done a really good job with Polisic, and he was smart with his father, Mark, and yeah. family. Kelly's his mom. Uh, you know, She's a soccer player in college as well. As his dad, who's also a coach now, um, you know, Dortmund, they visited different clubs. And in Dortmund, they decided was the best place for Christian to get even better and to get an opportunity to play yeah, and to show what he could do. And so
1: it's, it's a lesson to young kids, I think, out there, young, talented kids and their parents or whatever, in terms of what is it that you want out of your child when you learn this game? Success is not relative to performance or understanding the game. And I think in this book, you really illustrate that.
0: Yeah. And, and I, I asked Pulisic directly, you know, what do you think you, were, you learned mostly on U.S. soil? And what do you think really helped once you went to Dortmund? And he's very clear about he thinks there was a lot of value in both. It's not an either or. So, And he considers himself to be developed on U.S. soil. Yeah, uh, that Dortmund wasn't the only reason he's gotten to where he's gotten. But there's a lot of different factors that went into it. And as you'll see in the chapter you know, on Michael Zork, the Borussia Dortmund sporting director, there's a very clear philosophy that they have developed at Dortmund to try and make up for the fact that they have 200 million euros less revenue each year than the teams they see as their competition. Bayern Munich, Real Madrid, teams that Seek to make the quarterfinals or better of Champions League every year, and that's how Dortmund sees itself. And so Zorc gets into the philosophy of why it's important for them to be able to scout globally, to to go to countries, to you know, to go after players from countries that aren't maybe typical countries you you get players from. Yeah. Uh, whether that's the U.S. and Polisic's case or Shinji Kagawa from Japan or. Um, you know, a Robert Lewandowski from from Poland who nobody knew of when, when Dortmund signed him.
1: Yeah. Um, another player that I want to talk about um, is Chicharito. And um, how you, I mean, you have a great bond with, with the Mexican, um, you know, national team. We, we, both of us, have interviewed... Osorio a few times Uh, you know Osorio well uh, Hernandez being obviously Mexico's all time great scorer and one of the things that I take away from you talking to him is how he values and it's funny because again it's a connection to other players but how he values movement Mm -hmm. so much and how he prides himself in being a poacher Um, and it's not that's not like the only thing that you define game as, Obviously, there's more to it, but but he lives and breathes to annoy a hell out of defenders in the box in order to try and get that extra space to just get the goal in. When you're talking to Chicharito and you ask him about his approach, what is it the most that you think you learned that you didn't know already that made you think, you know what, this person has more to offer than, than – Maybe we think as fans, or even as as coaches, or 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 you know viewers of the game.
0: Well, one thing that I asked each player was, in are there any ways in which how you play the game represents your personality? Yeah, and these guys gave fascinating answers about that. You know, Manuel Neuer uh, said, you know, in talking about his sweeper keeper innovation to the game. Uh, You know, when he runs out of his box to make dangerous clearances sometimes, Um, you know, I'm a guy who likes to drive a car really fast, but I always wear a (laughs) seatbelt. You know, it's really, it was really cool to sort of listen to these guys in those terms, talk about themselves. And Chicharito is another example of his hyperactivity. And he's the first person to say about himself, I am hyperactive. Yeah. Um, And... And he certainly talks that way. You know, he's a guy who uh doesn't like to sit down for very long. You'll ask him a question, and and early on in our first interviews when he was still at Bayer Leverkusen, it was very clear how much energy he had, um, like extreme energy, and how he would put seven minutes into a response and, and jump around and, and get out from his seat and you and really got a sense of you know, what he does in the box from that, you know? And he's a really hard guy to defend as a result because he's always moving in different directions, always trying to anticipate ahead of his defender where the ball's going to be, whether it's a cross, whether it's a a through ball on the ground. Uh, And it's it must be exhausting for him, I would think, but that's the way he approaches things. And... Uh, and there's a lot more method to the madness, you know. Vincent Company actually talks in some detail, as does Xabi Alonso, about Chicharito and what makes him special. And they say that it's not that he's the best forward in the world at certain characteristics. They don't think he's, I mean, they don't think he actually said this. They don't think he's Luis Suarez, right? But they do think that he's so good at different things. He's very good at different things, and so good at having a nose for the ball in the box. That he's
1: extremely difficult to defend. Aside from physicality, a defender's biggest nightmare is a bug-like striker who won't stop moving. And you know, Chicharito is the, the perfect example of that. And having Osorio as his manager, who can tell him exactly where he wants him, you know, is kind of like a perfect uh, a perfect relationship.
0: There's a lot of Osorio in this chapter, too, which I wasn't necessarily planning, but I ended up getting about a 90-minute interview in Denver last year, just me and Osorio and Chicharito, and there'll be an excerpt from this in Sports Illustrated's website this week, about um, how they try to create, basically set plays, systematic patterns on their team, the Mexican national team, to try to get the ball to Chicharito in front of the goal. And some of the details that they went into were really cool for me. They'd made me promise that I not released the details until May of 2018. That was the only condition uh, yeah. because we did this interview in May of 2017. Right. Uh, but it was a real education for me. And also really interesting to see Osorio's reaction to Chicharito being able to explain in great detail what every player, every Mexican player on the field was supposed to be doing. And at the end of it, after Chicharito explained all this stuff to me, and we were sitting over this tactical table where you know they had laid out these tabs of eleven on eleven, um, you know, Osorio would just turn and was like, "I can't believe he, he knows it all." You know, that is that makes me so happy. Um, <laughs> and each one of the players in this book, I think, could be a coach someday. That doesn't mean they will be. Uh, clearly, Xabi Alonso and company want to be but they think the game deeply enough that they could be a coach someday. And I think very good coaches or really good TV analysts, as we've seen with Roberto Martinez uh, and Vincent Company uh, during ESPN's summer tournament broadcast.
1: I want to make something clear to the listeners. When you read this, um, I don't want it to just think that it's just for the soccer audience because I really think a coach um, of any sport or an athlete of any sport can read this. It's the same way how Coach Tita from Brazil got his whole squad to read uh, Coach K's book, you know, Duke's Head Coach. It's the same mentality that I'm thinking here. So my question to you is, you know, what kind of audience are you yourself, Grant, trying to reach with what you've written here? I'm trying to hit a wide audience.
0: Um, it's similar to when I'm writing a magazine story for sports illustrated on soccer. I think it's possible to find a balance between writing something that is interesting to hardcore soccer fans who watch the sport daily, but also be interesting to a sports fan who may just watch soccer during the world cup or a coach of a kid's team in the U S or a player on a kid's team in the U S or anywhere. Um, and and really try and find that balance that if this stuff is interesting to me, I think I can find a way to make it interesting to all those groups um, and and get on the page all of these, uh, you know, educational experiences I had interviewing these guys. And uh, I wanted to make this book like I didn't want it to be a dry textbook kind of coaching manual on. This is how you do this, and this is how you do this, and and so there was a real effort to take the most interesting things that I was hearing from these guys and asking these guys, and and write it in a way that it was a compelling, you know, even fast read. It was like a page turner. So yeah. that's that's the hope. Uh, we'll see, you know, if readers think that, but uh, but I really enjoyed the whole process.
1: Well, I mean, I'm biased. Uh, obviously, but, uh, I think it's exactly achieves what you wanted it to achieve. There are many parents who take their kids to play soccer on the weekends. And that's the only relationship they have with the game. And that's fine. And I think that that's the kind of book for them, because ultimately I think the most I get out of this book is the passion and the vision that these players, coaches, directors have for the game. Um, It's called Masters of Modern Soccer. I know that you, um, you know, talk about it at the beginning of our chat, but I really want everybody to just, you know, give this a read. It's fantastic, and I really commend you for it. Thanks so
0: much, Luis. I appreciate it.
1: Thanks for listening to the Planet Football Podcast. I'd like to thank Luis
0: Miguel Echegaray, as well as everyone at Cadence 13 and Sports Illustrated who supports this podcast. Please, if you like the pod, tell your friends, subscribe, like, and review it on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. It really does help the cause if you do. And check out the 30-minute Planet Football video show hosted by me and Luis on SITV. That's available on Amazon and Fubo TV. Recent guests include Becky Sauerbrunn, Brad Friedel, Rory Smith, and Miguel Almiron. See you next time.